All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the only podcast coming at you guys today. Dylan and Nico are here, and we'll be joined by Paul Severino, the Marlins play-by-play guy. So, Nico, let's hit the intro music, and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to this fun edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It's Dylan Campione and Nico Fernandez. As always, and Nico, before we introduce our guest, how you doing? And I'm sure you're excited for this interview. I'm doing great. You know, I've been on this for like a year and I've constantly had to sit through Mets people who, you know, just all complain about how they're not good, which, <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny to me, but it's good to actually have someone from like, you know, a good franchise, the Marlins. So, you know, excited. Absolutely. We were joined today by Paul Severino. Most of you guys know him as the play-by-play guy for the Miami Marlins. He also worked at MLB Network before this, also announced some hockey games as well in his past. But Paul, we're really excited to have you on with us, and thanks for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Good to talk with you guys. I love it. So the first question we throw at all of our guests that everyone is nice and simple and they can take this in whatever direction they want to do. But basically, who are you and what's your story? Uh, Paul Severino. I'll start at the end and work my way backwards. So like you said, I, I uh, play-by-play, TV play-by-play voice for the Miami Marlins. Just, just finished up my sixth season with them. Um, be back for uh, for a seventh season in 2024. So excited about that. Um, sh- the short story is prior to that was uh, seven years at MLB Network um, with, as you mentioned, a little bit of uh, NHL Network, NHL stuff mixed in there. And then uh, prior to that was uh, five years at ESPN. So um, those are all of the companies that have paid me for some ridiculous reason to work for them. Um, and I've been uh, I've been blessed because uh, so I got the job at ESPN in uh, mid October of 2005, and I had graduated college in May of 2005. So I um, but there were five internships leading up to that ESPN job. So. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the short path, but there have been a lot of a lot of stops along the way, a lot of growing pains, some ups and downs, some uh, some rejection, and obviously some some great uh, some great breaks along the way too. Yeah, that's great. I mean, your first time talking right now, I smile ear to ear because it just <laughs> made me feel like I was back at home watching a game. <laughs> I, I was like, wow, I usually don't smile that bigly because, but um, that's amazing. Uh, again, going to like. The play-by-play, like you said, again, six years, the Marlins, you've really been able to go through like the growing pains and like the ups and downs of like the Marlins. How's it been, you know, adjusting to uh, to the booth? I know you're with people like Tom Hutton, you're with um, Gabby Sanchez, again, former player for the Marlins. What's it like doing the day-by-day and being with some talented people alongside? Yeah, I, you know, again, I've been I've been blessed to be able to do that a lot. And, and with um, when I started my first four years i think it was uh it was really just with one analyst so it was me and todd hollandsworth and we worked together every day and you know i knew where he was going he knew where i was going we knew that we watched every single pitch uh next to each other every night for six months uh for for four years or so um so it's been a little bit different not easier not harder nothing but just different um because now these last couple of seasons there's been more uh not so much turnover in the booth, but more uh, alternating people next to me. So it's, it's, it's 
Uh, at first, it was like, okay, how am I going to make this work? Because obviously, of course, for the audience, you want everything to feel seamless and you don't want to go through the awkwardness with the people next to you on live TV. Um, but the guys that I work with are all obviously true pros and, and they watch the games and they, they know what's happening and all that kind of stuff. And they know the game itself. Um, and sometimes you have to lean on the game and the X's and O's and the footwork and the pitch types and all that kind of stuff when it's 15 to one and you don't, <laughs> you get to, you know, lay back on the drama and just kind of listen and watch and kind of take it all in. So there's a little more chit chat in games like that, but, um, it, 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 uh, it's again, it's been different, but it, it got me back to what I was doing at MLB network. Right. So if Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was doing MLB tonight from six o'clock to nine o'clock at night. So it's like an hour. That first hour was basically a scripted studio show. And then from seven to nine, it was just, you know, seven or eight games at a time. And we're in and out all these games. But within that I'm sitting next to two analysts. Monday's two analysts might be different than Tuesday's two analysts different than Wednesday's two analysts. So knowing uh, a little bit about who you're working with, where are their strengths, where are their weaknesses, you know, what do they like to get into? Um, how can you make them laugh? All that kind of stuff like uh, is important. And that's the stuff that goes into, um, again, just building relationships, whether that's, you know, hey, we haven't worked together before, uh, you know, are you going to spring training next Thursday? Sure. Let's hang out. And then you chit chat and you talk to coaches and you start having those conversations. You understand those things. Um, and fortunately for me, I, I, I think just about everybody that I've worked with here with the Marlins are, are people that I've um, either worked with for so long that I don't remember my first interactions <laughs> with them. Um, or I had them long before I was, you know, sitting with them uh, next to them in a booth. So um, it, once you get into that booth, it's, um, you know, our, our, our relationships had already been made and built by that point. I love it. And as you just mentioned, you've been able to wear a couple of hats throughout your career working at MLB Tonight. You worked with some shows like Intentional Talk on a fill-in basis, as well as you're now being a play-by-play -play guy. What is it like balancing? Like, is there a different mentality going into a different show? Is it basically the same type of thing going through your head and planning-wise? Or is it just some shows are really different in comparison to doing a play-by-play -play job? It, it, I, I, uh, I'm glad you asked that. That's a really good question because, and, and I had, had been guilty of it in my youth. Um, so like in high school or college, whatever. And sometimes you might think, well, Hey, I'm, I'm on camera or I'm on the radio. I'm on the microphone, whatever. I'm a broadcaster period. And I can do anything. Not really. Like maybe eventually someday, <laughs> but just because, you know, you decide, hey, I'm doing a radio show today. That means I'm comfortable on camera or, you know, I'm comfortable on a microphone. I can do play by play tomorrow. Every little thing is a different skill. It really is a different skill. Um, even within uh, play by play broadcasting, uh, radio and TV are similar, but different. You know, with with TV, I can be a lot more stripped down with my calls because people can see what's happening. So I might say two, one. Bouncer to second, one out. Whereas the radio guy is going to sit there and say, two one pitch, pitcher comes set, takes a deep breath, starts his motion and delivers. The fastball is bounced on the ground to second base. Luis arrives, scoops it up, throws over to first. Josh Bell makes the catch, and that's the second out. Same play, <laughs> exact same play, 
but the artistry of the work and the efficiency of the work is completely uh, of the words is completely different. So again, same thing with um, TV studio, TV studio and, and TV and radio are also two different things because when you're doing, you know, again, that first hour of MLB tonight, let's take that. For example, if I'm doing MLB tonight, we worked with producers, directors, stat people, uh, the analysts have what they want to talk about and everything's kind of structured. But if I were going to, if I had done radio yesterday and radio is like, okay, we've got three hours, here's six topics and we're going to take some calls. And it's a little bit more free flowing in that regard. I can't at 602 go on the air and be like, Hey, you know, that's a great point. Let's bypass everything that we <laughs> talked about four hours ago, because now I want to talk about that and then just go off on a rant. Like that's, again, that's not how it works. So, so the long-winded answer is yes, there are different forms of being a broadcaster, TV, radio, play-by-play, -play, sideline, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and eventually things will, will mesh from one to the other, you know, again, like a 15 to one baseball game might sound a little bit more like a radio show just because the game and the drama are not there to lean on. So you might be talking more about what's going on in the National League West or talking about the new rules. And it's just more free flowing. Whereas I, I'm the same play-by-play -play guy. He's the same analyst, but the next night it's two, one in the seventh inning instead of 15 to one. And, and I'm not even actually saying all that much. I'm <laughs> setting everything up so that he could say, I really think he's going to throw a slider right here. Cause he was off on that last pitch. And they've gotten them out on fastballs away all night long, blah, 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 whatever it is. So again, long story long for play-by-play -play, for TV, it's more of an analyst driven medium because you can see everything and they are the star. And as a play-by-play guy, it's your job to, to make them the star, set them up so that they can give them the room to operate. Whereas in radio, it's more of a, uh, a play-by-play -play person's medium because you're painting more of the picture and the, analyst has to make sure to get out of the way baseball again being the example for each pitch so that the play-by-play uh, -play person can do their job do you think there's one of those that like you caught on more naturally opposed to the other and there was like one of them they had like work more on um i well i think i always wanted to do play-by-play -play, um even from the time i was probably six or seven years old like you know back in the day i i just turned 40. So like I was a kid in the eighties. So like, you know, WWF was huge. Right. So like I had all the action figures when I'm five and six years old and I'm, and I'm doing the, the action figures and, you know, I'm being Vince McMahon and gorilla monsoon <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And I'm doing that. And it was just, and then it was maybe a couple of years after that, that I had like a, a, a family friend who was older than me and we were talking and I, I asked him like, oh, you're going to go to college. Like, what are you going to study? And he said, communications. I was like, what the heck is that? I'm like, I'm seven, eight years old. Like, what the heck is that? <laughs> and he says, uh, communications, like all those broadcasters that you hear on TV, all those guys that are announcing, like they're, they went to school for communications. And, I, and again, eight years old, and I'm not much smarter now, but I'm like, wait a second. Like, those are actual people doing that? Like, that's a, that's a job. That's a choice. That's an option. I go, that's not, I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm going to watch sports and talk about it. <laughs> Done. I don't, whatever else you can have it. This is what I'm doing. So I kind of knew from there. Um, but, um, you know, I, but, uh, you know, my internships, which I, I kind of glossed over were, um, I, again, I went to Endicott College and it was, you had to do a January, 
semester, or excuse me, a January uh, internship, your freshman and sophomore year. Uh, junior year, you didn't have to do anything, but I did stuff, which I can get to. And then senior year was a semester long internship. And then after I graduated, I actually did um, color commentary of internet broadcasts on independent league baseball teams. My business card was this big. And um, <laughs> so I, so I did a little bit of that, but so my, uh, the first one I did my January freshman January, I worked at local news and I was just an intern and I was a freshman and they usually didn't bring in freshmen for this. Um, but a kid that I was became friends with at school was there as a freshman and they broke the rule for him because he knew somebody, but then he put in a good word for me. So they let me go and they were like, ah, whatever, freshman <laughs> schmuck, whatever. And then, but I was, I knew it's what I wanted to do. So I was like focused. I was like, this is an opportunity that even three years from now, as a senior, I may not have gotten and I have it now. So I listened a lot, asked questions a lot, watched a lot um, and networked a little bit too. Cause one of the guys that I would see was, it was in Hartford. Um, but one of the guys that I would see a lot worked in New Haven. So then when my um, sophomore year came around, I ended up interning for him because he knew me and he saw me a lot of these places and we talked and, and he kind of saw that there was gears moving upstairs that I kind of knew what was going on and I, and I could grasp it and that it might be worthwhile. So he gave me a shot. So, um, so that, again, that was local news. That's three minutes. You know, that's nothing compared to three, three minutes scripted with highlights, news, prompter, blah, 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 and then compared to now three hours unscripted live, whatever's going on is going on. Like, so it's, it's much different. So again, it, it goes every little bit that you learn along the way can help you if you're aware of it. If you're open to the idea of it, of getting better and a good example that I always go back to is when I was working at ESPN and, you know, I was there for a little while, whatever year or so. And we started doing um, a fantasy baseball show daily and the fantasy football show daily is eight minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. It's just for ESPN.com. So we would go in there and, you know, and I would, I would script it out and I would put it in the teleprompter. And then I was getting comfortable reading a teleprompter and hosting and looking prompter and hosting. And then I was like, okay, I think I got that. And I, and the show was the same basically every day. So I was like, how can I get better? I don't want to just do eight minutes of this every day, the rest of my life. What can I do to get better? So then I started not using the prompter, still scripting, but I'd have my scripts on a piece of paper. So now when I was looking at the camera, I was looking at the audience and I just had notes in front of me. And then it it just became a little bit more natural that way because I wasn't looking at the teleprompter to say, and then for a quarterback this week, you want, and it wasn't that. It was a little bit more like, you know, in your head, like, okay, quarterback, Tom Brady. Okay. So yeah, so quarterbacks this week, Tom Brady. And then you just kind of like get that and then you mix it in and it became more natural. And then even that progression kept going over. That was pretty comfortable doing that for a few weeks or months or whatever. So then instead of, it went from script in the teleprompter to script in front of me to bullet points bullet points with a note or something like that. So then, so that is actually what I think helped prepare me for MLB network, because when you're doing MLB tonight, um, you might, you know, if you're doing that six to seven o'clock hour, you might have, you know, three or four or five news stories or lead ins to something where you are reading a teleprompter, but for the most part, it's topic based and you're bouncing from this to that and to two analysts and to whatever. So it, it helped me be a little bit more uh, agile 
to not be beholden to a script, a paragraph script, where if the prompter blinks, I'm lost. If I misspeak, uh, oh my God, I forgot my lines. Like it wasn't that. It was like, okay, I want to get to, you know, starting pitchers in the National League, Cy Young candidates. Boom. That's our thing. One, two, three. Okay. So now I know I can just be more natural with the presentation. And if I, you know, happen to say John Smith instead of John Turner, whatever it is, like, oh, I just go back and I fix it instead of like, oh my God, wait, oh, uh, uh, and I'm screwed up because I screwed up on the prompt. So again, long story long, can you tell I talk for a living? <laughs> um, long story long, like every little element helps where you want to go. Um, I think you asked the question about what was most natural like an hour ago and I said play <laughs> by play. So, but I just gave you the play by play of like 15 years. Exactly. So there you go. We'll yeah. be right back with more after this. <laughs> I love it. But sort of, as you just mentioned, you've had all these different experiences. Was there a moment where, whether it was at ESPN or at an internship or even MLB network or the Marlins, where you were like looking back and saying, shoot, I've actually made it and I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Uh, I've, I've been blessed to have a lot of those. I think you, I think you have to, I did at least you have to have a big goal, but if the big goal is at the top of the ladder and the ladder is 50 feet in the air, you don't just jump to the top of the ladder, mm -hmm. right? You have to climb the rungs of the ladder. So the, the rungs are the little goals and everything else. And then, you know, it's like a staircase. Every once in a while, there's a little landing there. And that landing might be a new job. And you sit there and you say, oh, man, wow, I did that. And then it's like, okay, great. And then it's like, I'm, oh, I have this opportunity now. But then, you know, I, and again, I was blessed. I got a lot of opportunities uh, early, you know. I So freshman internship when they weren't giving them out until you were seniors. I got one of those. Weren't giving them out until they were seniors. Did it again when I was a sophomore. Oh, by the way, I did an independent study this summer in between freshman, sophomore year. So I did another one there. So I ended up doing five internships. So at 18 years old, I guess I was, it was like, oh man, like I'm at the NBC affiliate in Hartford. And that's still amazing. If that were my job today, that would still be amazing. But at 18 years old, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. I'm doing this. So you have to take a step back every once in a while. You can't be in awe of everything. Um but it is definitely important to look back often, not every day, but often enough and say, wow, I'm, I'm doing this or I did that or something. And, and actually, you, you bring that up and then I say in awe of something. And I think, again, I got lucky because when, you know, we, we, um, we see like the second generation athletes. Right. And their dads played in whatever the big leagues, whatever. And we, we look back and we say, oh, uh, you know, Prince Fielder, Bo Bichette, whatever it is like, oh, we remember those kids when they were three or four years old walking around the clubhouse. And then when they get to the big leagues, they are just more adjusted than maybe some other 22 year old. Right. So um, growing up in Bristol, Connecticut, the home of ESPN, um, I was lucky enough to be around ESPN quite a bit, not to work there, whatever, but just like the summer camp that I went to, um, every year, my mom worked at a daycare. And then, so then like in the summers, I would go to the summer camp that was part of that. So like, I would just go every year and every year we'd go 
and we would uh, go to the CBS affiliate in Hartford. It was like it was like TV week or whatever they would call it. So we'd go to the CBS affiliate in Hartford and we'd walk around behind the scenes and we'd see everything. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then we'd go to ESPN and we'd see the studios and we'd walk around the buildings. And that was me getting inside, but I would drive by ESPN a thousand times because that was how we'd get from our house to the highway to get to my grandmother's house. So I, we'd drive by it all the time. There was a, uh, an amusement park still there next door across the street. So anytime we'd go to Lake Compounds, we're right across from ESPN. So it was always ESPN, it, it, this big thing, and it still is and probably always will be. But from my perspective, it was almost like the TV station down the street. And that's obviously not meant as any disrespect, but like I'd, I'd been in there before. You know, we'd be walking the hallways and Stuart Scott walks by and stops and talks to us for five minutes. My um, little league awards banquet um, as an 11 or 12 year old, this tells you how long, uh, how old I am, how long he's been there and how high he's climbed the ladder. Uh, now Reese Davis is like on site every Saturday and doing college game day. Well, he was the low man on the totem pole who had to go do the little league banquet dinner. So like he's, it's like a now from ESPN, Reese Davis. And he'd been at ESPN for 15 minutes. So he's like, oh, great. I got to do this. But he was, <laughs> but he was great. But it, but that was, again, that was the thing. It was like, oh, this TV anchor who everybody else sees on TV, who lives in a box in their house, I'm up close and personal with him. And, and it was, and it, I, it didn't register at the time, but as I got older and more mature, it was like, yeah, I mean, that's, this is what, this is what they do. They, they put in the work, they, they study, they talk to people, they learn, they put on a tie, they do their hair, they put their makeup on and they, and they go to, they do their job and that just happens to be their job. So were there days I was intimidated at ESPN or MLB network, or even with the Marlins? Absolutely. Of course there were and still are, but um, you know, I think it's, it's probably no different than, you know, even a guy like Bryce Harper, or Trey Turner, when, Citizens Bank Park is going nuts. Like there's a moment where you're like, oh, this is awesome. No matter how many times you've, how many games I've done, studio shows I've done, no matter how many home runs Bryce Harper's hit, like there's always, there's, there's still that moment of like, whoa, this is cool. So that, that, uh, that hasn't left me. And, and frankly, I hope it, it doesn't. Cause if it, if it does, then it means I'm taking it all for granted and I don't want to do that. Absolutely. And the way you said the, taking it in moment it always makes me think of Adley when he made his debut and it's packed and he's just like looking around he's like dang damn yeah. I'm here I'm yeah. here which that's that's amazing that's amazing yeah. the fact that you still have that like just awe and like yeah. great just... and, I, and, and I tell you what too and I'm being truthful when I say this I, I do it at the end of every season too the end of every season that I've been fortunate enough to have um the the last day, I mean, I go in whatever three, three and a half hours early, and then a game ends and you get in your car, you go home, whatever. But the last day of every season, and I, and I've done every just about every game in my six years outside of maybe 15 or something like that, some tiny number, thankfully. So I do a lot of games. But I, I work for six months and then I'm off for six months, uh, which is gr good for me. I like it. I get into a routine, I go, and then I have time to play math. Like it's whatever. So um, but the last day I always take a little bit longer. I might get there a little earlier that day, look around the ballpark, 
I walk out a little bit slower that day, look around the ballpark and just try to take it all in. And I, and I always ask myself, and, and fortunately I've, I've, I've answered the right way, but I always ask myself, could I have worked any harder? Could I have busted my ass any more each and every day? Um, knowing that these jobs are, uh, rare and, you know, can, can just disappear in, in under your feet without even knowing. Did I do everything I possibly could do? Because when I got the job, I told my bosses, I said, you will not find someone that works harder than me. And, um, and, and, and they, you know, granted me this opportunity and I'm grateful for that. And I, and at the end of every year, if I send them a text the day after the season, Hey, thanks for everything. You know, just want to let you know, I worked my tail off this year and, and I can rest easy uh, at the end of the year, at the end of the season, knowing that I, I, put the same amount of work in on opening day as I did on June 1st, as I did on August 30th, as I did on October 2nd and not take a day off because the um, you know, mentally and, and prep wise and all that other stuff, because I know the players don't do that. You know, the players, players don't, you know, not look at video before a game to see who they're facing or, or look at a scouting report or go to practice. If it, you know, it's football, you know, they don't just show up on Sundays and play. So I didn't, I didn't want that to be the way I do it either. Even, even on days where we, our last freaking trip this year. So 159 games, 160 games into the season, we got to Pittsburgh at four o'clock in the morning. We got our bags at five o'clock. I got into bed at six and we had a game the next night and the next day, uh, you know, on the plane and doing whatever. And in the morning, making sure that my routine was the same for Friday night even though didn't really have to focus on the pirates too much, but I did anyway, cause I'm not taking a day off. And I think that you have to have that sort of mentality to some degree um, to be great. And I'm not saying I'm great, but I strive <laughs> to be. <laughs> well, we can say you're great. Yeah. And that's why you get 20 bucks. <laughs> exactly. You have to split it though. We have to split it. That's good. That's good. Ten more dollars than what I have right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. But then one thing we did have to wonder, because you've mentioned all these different experiences. There's two years in particular that I assume you'd highlight as your sort of favorite years, I guess, as the Marlins. That would be, well, not favorite, but interesting years. And that is the playoff run this year of 2023. And then the COVID year of 2020. Yeah. That was also a playoff year. What were both of those experiences like? Because I assume there are a lot of highs and definitely in 2020, a lot of interesting moments that happened. There were, yes, that there were, um, 2020 was interesting. So, <laughs> you know, I told you I'm lazy. So we, we don't know how the world is going to change, but whatever the final day of the, of the 2019 season was, let's say it was October 1st. So from October 1st to again, let's say March 31st of 2021, the next full season was 18 months. And I worked 60 days, a <laughs> two month stretch. Somehow I'm still married. She didn't kick me out. But so like, so we didn't know, like, you know, you, you go, yeah, season ends. And again, like I, 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 don't do college basketball, college football, NFL. I, I just don't do other stuff. I've got a 13-year-old, and it's just nice to kind of be home and, and recharge and, and whatever else. So I, I don't do other stuff. Maybe that changes someday. Maybe it doesn't, whatever. But anyway, so season ends, and I know I got six months off, 
And then all of a sudden, where are we at? Like February, the world starts to shift a little bit. And now everything's kind of up in the air. And I remember we had to go, um, Bally has this, this uh, seminar out in Southern California where the, the, the headquarters are. So like all the different regions, Miami, Tampa, Cincinnati, you know, uh, Cleveland, whatever it is. We all go there for a couple of days, a little seminar, everybody get on the same page, whatever. And then we go back home. So it's like fly Monday morning, fly on the red eye Tuesday night. And we're getting on the red eye, me and, and however many people were coming back to, to Miami and start seeing masks and gloves. And I'm like, you, you hear of like kind of what's going on, but you're like, not really like, what, is that a big deal? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, and then I was like, so it's like, okay, that's strange. And then uh, we had booked, uh, my family had booked uh, like a weekend to go to Disney in, in mid-March. And so we're there in mid-March. And um, the last day we were there, I ended up driving from Orlando to Jupiter to do a, to do a game. And we, we only had two spring training games that year. We had, it must have been maybe like a Sunday and a Tuesday or something, whatever the days were. And so do the Sunday game. And then Monday, or whatever the day was, the world shuts down. No NBA games. Spring training's canceled. No Christmas. Like the whole thing. <laughs> just the whole thing. Just like it's just like we're done. Everybody, you're not leaving your house. You're not doing anything. And world's I'm like, over. yeah, world's <laughs> over. That's it. So the thing that um, is interesting is so that was like two years into this new lifestyle. So the way that it works is I get paid by the game. If there's a game, I get paid. If there's no games, I don't get paid. Fine. But over the, and you learn to budget like, okay, you know, like accountant friend of mine is like, oh, you have a, a summer fund, a winter fund when you're not working in a tax fund, you got to pay your taxes. So you get three funds. Okay. So summer fund, it's whatever. And then the winter fund will carry you for six months. And then the season starts and then you start the whole thing over again. Well, that six months turned into and in April, May, June, and most of July <laughs> turned into 10 months living on six months. And I'm like, oh boy, this stinks. And then I only had two months to save up for the next six of being off with still more uncertainty of whether or not there'd be sports and world and all this other stuff. So that was interesting. I didn't even cover the baseball. <laughs> uh, but that, so that was interesting. That was interesting. Um, in terms of the baseball and the broadcasting, uh, it was different because we would, we, we did Marlins games in, uh, at, at, uh, Marlins park at the time, Lone Depot park. We did games like normal in the booth, everything else. And when the team traveled, we normally travel with the club, but in 2020 and 2021, we did not in 2020. I went back and forth to the ballpark every day and we were doing home games as normal and road games. We did on monitors in the broadcast booth, but flipped to the side. We had monitors and the whole thing. And, and it was, it was just different. Like they, they, it was dark. The night that they clinched in New York, it was dark. It's probably 10 30, whatever it is. And like, we're just in a dark ballpark with like us, the radio guys, a Spanish radio and like security. It was like 11 people in the ballpark. And these guys are, you know, celebrating. And it was, it was, it was distant and it was weird. Um, and then 2021, again, we didn't travel. We did home games again, as normal from the ballpark. And we did road games from the studio in Fort Lauderdale. So same sort of thing off monitors and the whole thing. 
And, and I didn't bring it up a lot because I didn't want it to sound like an excuse, but it, it was difficult. It really was because you're used to being able to see everything. And, and the way that it was set up, we wouldn't see just what people see at home. We'd have two huge monitors. One of them was what you'd see at home. And then the other one would be all the different camera angles. So if you wanted to see how the outfield was lined up or who was in the bullpen, you could see all the stuff that you'd normally see if you were in person. But if there's a ball down the line, like it, baseball can happen quick, like ball down the line or a ball barely over the wall, like you're used to if you're live and in person, you know, you could peek around, maybe get a different angle. Uh, you can look at the umpire. You can do what you can judge the crowd reaction, whatever it is. But like a lot of that stuff didn't exist or we didn't have. So it was you get caught on the balls down the line or the balls just over the wall because now you're like, OK, what monitor am I looking to try to find the second base umpire to see if he's going like this? So there, you had to take a step back, and it was a little, it, it was a little difficult. Um, but again, as I say, even now when things have kind of gotten back to normal, it beats working for a living. So that um, was 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 difficult in that regard. But you know, watching the team be successful was great, and we got a lot of that this year too. Um, and you know, some great stories to follow with Louisa Rise and. Um, you know, unfortunately, the way that it ended for Sandy, but, you know, just watching Sandy over these last few years grow into one of the uh, best pitchers in baseball. It's been it's been it's been amazing. So, um, yeah, uh, those those years were similar, but very different. Very different. <laughs> I love it. But we have two fun questions to throw at you here as we begin to wrap things up. because We know you're a busy guy, but we have these two fun tangential to baseball questions to throw to you if you're ready for them. Ready. All right. So the first one I've got for you is that um, obviously a couple of months ago, Jennifer Williams came on the podcast. And when we asked her this question, your name immediately came to her mind. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> she immediately said Paul Severino is the guy to go to. So we're going to continue the tradition if you'd like to. And is there anyone that comes to your mind that you think would be a cool next person to have on the show? Oh, man. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'll do you guys a favor. Kyle Seeloff, the radio guy for the Marlins. How about that? Get another Marlin on there. I love it. I, that means more Marlins. So <laughs> it's a Marlins guy. That's, that's, that's good. There you go. Perfect. And then the second one, we're about to potentially make Nico's year. And Nico didn't know I was going to ask this question, oh, but we have the play-by-play -play announcer for the Miami Marlins. And I know it's your off season, <laughs> but if all of a sudden it's the bottom of the ninth inning, the Marlins are losing five to four, but the tying runs on second. And Nico Fernandez, the hitter, walks up to the plate with the chance to win the game. Right. You have and a play by play. Out and it's the worst ending <laughs> ever. God. Probably. Oh. Water to fill off a boat. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have a home run call on you for Nico? <laughs> but the strikeout call might be even better. <laughs> they should have released this guy weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, uh, man, you know, I, I could come up with something, but the only, but the thing is, so I, I'm not a, a big home run call guy. I'll okay. play along. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not a big <laughs> home run call guy only because home runs can be so different. Yeah. You know, they could be, they could be high. They could be low. They could be hit a ton. They could barely get over the wall. Like you might not even know. So I don't like to get locked into like, these are my 11 words I say on every home run. Some of them probably sound similar, but I don't have like a thing. 
But the one thing I do have <laughs> that for some reason is taken off. Um, all right. So it's five, four, Bob of the night. There's two outs. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, who's at second base? Your pick. Dealer's choice. Who's at second base? My boy, Jazz. All right. Gotta yeah. Got to have okay. Jazz. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll even pump, pump it up for you even more. Watch this. Ready? All right. <laughs> five, four after Jazz's two out, two RBI double to get the Marlins to within a run. Nico Fernandez at the plate. Boy, he has struck out twice today. Looking <laughs> to redeem himself. Gotcha. He told me before the game he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And watching his at-bats today, I believe him. First pitch, swung on and miss. Ooh, that's kind of how he's looked all day. Can't find water if he fell out of a boat. Looks like he's swinging underwater, ladies and gentlemen. Jazz leads away from second one-run game. Here comes the pitch. And Nico with a fly ball to left field. This one's got a chance. Back at the wall. A home run. I don't believe it. It's a Marlins win. I love oh, it. <laughs> I'm so clutch. I'm so clutch. Big moments are coming. But wait, they're going to review it. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Nico's going to have that playing on replay forever. That's my alarm. That's my alarm. <laughs> my ringtone, my alarm, my chime when I walk into, like, my house. Like... Uh, well, this has been an absolute blast. I know Nico's going to cherish that moment forever now. But we really do appreciate <laughs> You hopping on the podcast with us, talking Marlins baseball and talking your career journey. I guess I have to tell Jenny now that you hopped on with us, and I'm sure she's going to be excited to hear that it worked out. Beautiful. Beautiful. My yeah. pleasure, guys. It was good talking to you. Thank you so you. much. Thank you so you much. Got for it. The talk. <laughs> you got it. Need it on the Wednesday morning. <laughs> 100%. So for Dylan Campione, Nico Fernandez, and Paul Severino, until the next time, the side is retired.